And I'll read, and you can follow along. As soon as he, meaning David, finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let David return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of his robe and all that was on, and he gave David his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. And David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him, so that Saul sent him over or set him over the men of war. And this was good in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. And they were coming home. David returned from striking down the Philistine. And the women came out in all the cities of Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with songs of joy, and with musical instruments. And the women sang to one another as they celebrated, Saul has struck down his thousands, and David his ten thousands. And Saul was very angry, and this saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed thousands. And what more can he have but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day on. We, uh, you can tell in our entertainment world how much we value friendship. Obviously, the sitcom that was so successful, Friends, or Big Bang Theory, a group of nerds that get together and, and are friends, and that's the thing that kind of pulls us and attracts us to them. Or even you take a, a show that, like I like, NCIS, and you see a team of friends that are over a period of time that work on common things. Or as my youngest grandson wanted to celebrate his birthday, we went to Toy Story 4 for a party. You got a friend in me. And he had the T-shirt and everything. And so, so people are longing for friendship. They value friendship, and when we see it, uh, even in entertainment world, Jonathan's friendship. We want to look at three different things that I pulled out of here today and, and just kind of see those and see if they apply to us. The first would be that uh, one of the characteristics of friendship is a commonality of purpose. A commonality of purpose. Jonathan, as King Saul's son, was a warrior. A few chapters before what we read, Jonathan took it upon himself to go and to fight the Philistines. And he took just a few men with him. And he didn't know how successful. He didn't know if they'd win or lose. But he had all the confidence that the Lord doesn't, take, doesn't need numbers. He can do it with a few. He can do it with many. And they went and they were highly successful in this. And, uh, but yet Jonathan came back and he saw that he saw some of the downfall of his father, and his father was just acting irrationally about food and about uh, different things and pledges, and, and, and Jonathan's getting discouraged about all that. But we see in the prior, ver or prior chapter a young man, a teenager named David, raises up before the army, an army that's trembling before a Goliath of a man. And David looks at him. And in my David Johnson translation, he says, Who is this lowlife that would stand before the army of the living God? Let's take this sucker out. 
And while everyone else is praying about it and wondering what to do, David goes and kills Goliath. Every child knows that story. But it's a real story. It's a real fact. And so David gets a name for himself. But it's interesting as we pick up in chapter, because Saul didn't know who he, who he was, Saul asked, who is this guy? And he says, I'm David. And he tells him his background, tells he's the son of Jesse. And so it tells us in the first verse that we read that immediately Jonathan's soul was knit together inseparably with David. There was something about David that he just said, this guy and I are one. He has the same purpose, the same excitement, the same boldness for the Lord. And, and I can relate to him. I want to be around him. I want to fight with him. And so they join. And so uh, they're excited, and it tells us that their souls were knit together. They have this common zeal. Think about some of your friendships. What's the first thing that, that pulls you together with a friend? Probably you're in a common place. I was friends first with neighborhood kids. We lived in the same neighborhood. Then you go to the same schools, the same elementary school, the same high school, and later on college. And maybe work because you spend eight hours a day sometimes with people at work. You get kind of close, and sometimes they become friends. But more powerful than even that is when you have a same purpose, when all of a sudden you realize it's sports and you hang around with the other guy that plays basketball or maybe music, you're in band or you, you, you form a group with a, a couple of people and, and your life is overwhelmed with this great zeal to be with other people who have the same zeal for music or hunting or politics. And uh, as couples, you're raising kids together. Uh, Debbie and I all the time talk about some of our favorite the best times of our lives were where we were together with young families here in the church. We were raising kids together. We spent New Year's Eve or different holidays together or cookouts together, and we just, we were in common. We were, we were young families raising kids, and we couldn't beat that for anything. What about common faith? What about when you meet someone who has the same zeal for the Lord Jesus Christ that you have? That's a really strong connection because you can connect because that's our whole purpose in life. That should be the center of our life. And that's what David and Jonathan found, uh, this zeal for the Lord. And we need these friends. Life is a fairly lonely walk if you're not walking it with someone. We have two great examples in the Bible, the Lord Jesus Christ, who called men for what purpose? That they may be with me. Isn't that interesting? The Lord would come, and it tells us a lot about relationships just in his pattern there, that they might be with me, that they might see. Come follow me, and you'll see, he would say to the, some of the disciples who were curious. And so they traveled with him. They talked with him. They learned. They asked questions. They failed, and he answered and pointed out, and they all kinds of things, but they were part of his team. Then we see Paul and Timothy. And as he writes in Philipp uh, the Philippians, I have no one else who has a kindred spirit like Timothy. So why did Paul need this young guy to go travel with him? Because he wanted companionship. At first, he probably wanted a helper as well. 
But later on, he's assigning tasks. He's sending Timothy, or Timothy to Ephesus and allowing him to, to be able to look around. We need to be able to know, am I alone or am I with other people? And the, the, the difficult hurdle that we have to overcome, if you're like me, and as I see it, is we have closer friends when we're younger, especially in high school and th things like that, than later on in life. It's just life gets busy. We're doing other things. We're raising our own family. But where's the guy that I hung out with in high school? Or where's my buddy? Who can I meet with? Who can I share life with? Women do a better job than that than we men. But we still struggle with that. And sometimes we go through different changes in life and we find out that everyone that we used to hang with we've left behind and we're in a different place. And we need to look around. We need to evaluate that. And oftentimes there needs to be some common purpose. And certainly for a Christian, it should be the Lord Jesus Christ and our walk with him. A second thing that we see in David and uh, Jonathan is a consistent love that involves acceptance, sacrifice, and all kinds of things that bound them together. First of all, as Christians, we're, we're called to have our loving relationship, but the kind of love that we're supposed to have with people is an agape love, which seeks the best in someone else. And so we need to have the kind of relationship with people that we're always looking to see, what can I do to make their life more Christ-like? What can I do to make them successful? And you see that in David and Jonathan. There was an acceptance. Jonathan was the son of a king. David was a shepherd. There was a great social chasm between them, but yet David, or Jonathan reached out and saw that David was someone who he wanted to be around, someone he wanted to uh, be a brother to. And there was an acceptance. He loved them as his, himself, it tells us in Scripture. Sometimes accepting a friend, I don't know if you have any friends like this, you have a really, really good friend, but they have some kind of flaw. Like, they are late no matter what. They will never call you. You always have to call them and initiate things. Or they talk a lot, and you don't get much words in. Different things like that. Those aren't uh, terrible, terrible things that you can't overcome. But acceptance means you accept them. Problems, blemishes, because we all have those. And uh, David had his problem. Jonathan had his problems, obviously. We don't know a lot about that, but accepting of someone means that we accept those and we still have. Verse 4 that we read, it's interesting. As soon as their souls are knit together, Jonathan, who's very wealthy, who has the best clothes, who has all the armor, all the toys, everything, says, hey, David, come into my closet. We need to fix you up. And he gives him things because not every person in that day and age could have a sword or a shield or a spear. And so Jonathan, a warrior who had the provision because his dad was a king, shared with David and gave him those things. And uh, you can see that they just had a provision for one another. Another thing that you see is honesty. They were able to speak the truth throughout their whole relationship. They were able to speak the truth of the way it is. Sometimes we have trouble sharing truth with one another about ourselves. 
In fact, that, that, that's a real problem we have even in friendships is Dave will sit down and say, you know, I'm really struggling. I'm really failing at something in my life. I'm really messing up or I'm really worried. I need you to pray for me. I need, you to, I need your advice. It's hard to open up because we don't want people to think that we're struggling. We want to kind of look like we've got it all together. Sometimes we really need someone to come to us and shoot straight with us and tell us where we're messing up because we don't admit it ourselves or maybe we don't need one who close, is close enough and has that right and, and has earned that right to be able to say, hey, I want to point out something. There's an area in your life I'm really concerned about. You know, one Saturday morning when I was young and single, in the midst of my career, on a Saturday morning, I heard a knock at my door. I opened the door. There was my brother, Tom. And he came in, and he just poured out his heart. He says, you know, I'm really concerned about you and a relationship that you are having with a gal that, I'm date that I was dating at the time. And he just spent an hour just sharing. He says, I love you. I just want the best for you. This is going to hinder your ministry. This is going to hinder a lot of things. And just for about an hour, he just, as a brother, poured out his heart. You know, brothers and sisters can be some of our best friends. Don't overlook that. But he was just so real. He didn't have anything to win by this other than trying to protect me. And it just turned out that that very same day, everything he said turned out to be true. I could just see it unfold. And I was so thankful. I'm still so thankful that I got this warning. I got this wise word because uh, faithful are the wounds of a friend, the Bible tells us. And he was faithful to me, and uh, he cared about me. And David and Jonathan had that. There was a sacrifice upon, uh, on the part of Jonathan to, to uh, put himself beneath and second to David. Jonathan was supposed to take over the throne. That's what Saul's plan was, as we'll see in a little bit. Jonathan was the son of the king. And yet when he saw David, he knew that David was God's anointed. He probably heard about what Samuel had done. And uh, he stepped back and he says, I'm not going to be king. This is the guy that's going to be king. Everything in his character, everything God's doing through him, everything God has said about him, I need to step out of the way and I need to serve him. Very sacrificial of Jonathan. He didn't hold on to it. He let it go. And those are great Christian qualities. You know, the Bible tells us to rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who weep. Sometimes it's easier to weep with people than it is to rejoice when they're successful. You ever get a little threatened when someone gets that promotion or uh, gets into that new house or that new situation? and They're just doing really well. And sometimes it's very threatening for us. You know, if we really love someone sacrificially and we really want to be supportive of them, we stand back and say, hey, I want the very best God has for you. I don't know what it is, but, boy, when you succeed, I and that's a great Christian character of friendship. Then we see a commitment to loyalty and encouragement that continued on. Loyalty is just such a, a great picture that you see, especially, again, of Jonathan here. He was so loyal to David. Jonathan was in such a strange position. His dad is king, but his dad's going crazy and making stupid, foolish decisions one after another after another, and Jonathan sees it. 
David raises himself up. He is handling himself with, I believe, integrity. He's not trying to take over the, the kingship. He's not trying to be a threat. He's not going around bragging about himself. He's just doing his thing. And it tells us in Scripture the only thing he wants is for David and Jonathan to succeed in their kingdom. So Jonathan's in this strange situation. He has a great relationship with David, but his dad hates David so much that his dad's trying to kill David. He doesn't like the threat. So he's, he's doing everything he can to kill David. The first thing you see in chapter 14, or chapter 19, verse 4, that I think is interesting is Saul has all these things against David. And David goes, or Jonathan goes to, never said one bad thing about you. He has never tried to take over for you. He starts defending David before his father. You know, it is such a great characteristic of a friend to go to someone and defend them and tell, tell the truth and, and tell them. You may think they have bad motives. You may think that they said bad things about you, but I can tell you they did not. I, had, I have situations at work. Anyone who knows at work, you have conflicts. We don't have many of those at work, but I had one of those this week where I had hired a, a new person to be an assistant, and some of the other girls were saying things that weren't necessarily true, and they were making life difficult for this person. And I had to intercede. That's what a friend sometimes does. They try to get involved and at least speak the truth and protect people. And David certainly did that, and, and I'm sure people have done that with you. But you try to bridge a relationship so that loyalty is there. Then in chapter 20, Jonathan again defended and warned David. He says, look, my dad's going to try to kill you. I want you to know it. He told me. I think you need to be aware of this. And so uh, they find this, this situation. He finds out it's true. And uh, so David flees and gets out of there for a while. Why? Because Jonathan protected him. He had to choose a bit. He was in this awkward situation. Am I loyal to my dad, who I think is wrong? Or am I loyal to my friend, who I think is God's anointed? Well, I'm going to choose God's anointed, unfortunately. Not a good situation to be in. But that's what he chose. You'll notice in chapter 20, we got another situation where his father's angry with David and going to try to kill him. And Jonathan again defends him. And Saul comes back and he says, look, as long as he lives, you won't be king. Again, puts him in that situation. You're going to choose? Let me kill him. You'll be king. And Jonathan defended David. What did Saul do? He threw a spear at Jonathan. Tried to kill his own son because he was so irrational over all this. And so it's so humiliating. And we see this touching scene in chapter 20, verse 41, where they're crying together. They're hugging each other. And they say goodbye for a bit. And they go away. David has to flee big time this, because Saul is so irrational. And, and he's trying to uh, get away. And so Jonathan's stuck there being with his father. Proverbs 18 says there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. That's David and Jonathan. Wants to protect him. But not only was there this loyalty and this protection, but there's this lifelong, I think, encouragement that David 
that Jonathan had for David, that uh, every time David's being treated unfairly, he tells him the truth, honestly. He gets involved, and he tries to encourage him in the Lord. And it tells us that uh, uh, later on, one of the last meetings they had, that Jonathan went out to David, and it says he encouraged him and strengthened him in the Lord. Well, how would he have done that? He would have said, David, God's hand is upon you. You're God's choice to be the next king. You have acted with integrity. I can't confront you and tell you that you're doing anything wrong. You're doing things right. It's my dad that's failing. And you're going to win. God is on your side. Don't be fearful. Don't be uh, scared of what's coming. And so he encouraged him in the Lord. And he was hurting, and uh, yet it was so important. How important is it in your life that people encourage you? Think just a moment. Think of some people who have come into your life and encouraged you over the years. You know, I, it's easy for me to be in this place and see some of my good friends that have encouraged me. I can think of another friend has wise words for me, encouragement. He's usually positive. Every once in a while, he'll nail me on something. But a lot of times, it's, it's really encouraging. I, I want to pick on a couple of people specifically, but, you know, when I went through a, a really troubling time in my life, Darren was so great to me. He just did all the right things by calling me regularly, defending me sometimes, and just being a brother in Christ and giving me good advice. Then you got Keith, who I meet with still on Fridays, and we always try to encourage each other. And I, I'm so thankful for guys like that and, and a continuing uh, relationship uh, because you have to have that. I don't have a whole lot of other people like that in my life. My brothers have moved away and different things like that, but it's so important. I just, I just want to challenge you to make sure you're not walking the life alone because that's not how God designed it. The last thing that I see here in this meeting. Jonathan's killed and Saul's killed. David becomes king. What does he do? He reaches a point where one day he just says, you know, I need to find anyone who's related to Jonathan and I need to honor them just for the memory of my relationship with Jonathan. So he finds people and he he takes care of them, and he honors them. Kind of reminds me of Forrest Gump and Bubba. <laughs> you know, Hollywood should be hitting these real things more and more because that's a real trait. You honor people who sometimes, even their parents or someone, they were great to you. I had the privilege a couple of months back to do a funeral for Marianne, who was my mom's best friend. We grew up together. She tell, used to tell me that uh, her face was one of the first ones I saw because she came to visit me when I was brought home from the hospital. We had just all moved into a brand new neighborhood in Greenwood. So she and my mom, would drank a lot of coffee together, visited together, played cards together. The most humiliating thing when we all be out in the living room with a bunch of people singing along with Lawrence Welk or something, and I'd be in my bedroom rolling my eyes and things. But Marianne was a faithful friend to my dad. But the most touching thing was when my mom, who had dementia, was dying. We had a hospital bed in our dining room. We knew she was dying. 
And uh, she was laying there, and two hours before she died, here comes Mary Ann to say goodbye to her friend. And she kissed her on the forehead and said, I'll see you in heaven. Well, two months ago, I heard it was going to be her last thing, and what did I do? I walked in, and I kissed her on the forehead, told her how much I loved her, and she was just looked like everything was fine. Two days later, she went into eternity. I felt like I had to do that for my mom, not only because I love Marianne, I probably would have done it anyways, but I felt like I was doing something on behalf of my mom to reward a friend, and I felt good about it, you know? I really did, and I was able to speak at her funeral and honor her. Do you have a hunger for friends in your life, or is there a place in your life for people who can come alongside of you, who have the common interest in the Lord, and can you can build each other up, iron sharpening iron, as it tells us in the Bible. Look around, do an evaluation. I think this is a great character quality that we see in David and Jonathan. Don't live alone. Connect with someone. Find someone who is in the same way. You know, you have brothers, you have sisters, you have spouses who can be your best friends. But there ought to be some special people that you build each other up together in the same way. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this great picture in the Bible of love and sacrifice and working together on behalf of the Lord. Lord, I thank you that uh, you bless us with relationships, especially as Christians. Lord, we're not to live alone. We are to be loving others. We are to be sharing life with others. We are to be working together for you with others. We are to be encouraging, building up others, rejoicing and weeping together as we live out the life that you've given us. So, Lord, help us as individuals to look in our own life and see how much richer we would be if we could find these people that you have put in our life and develop more. Not just keep a distance, but find one or two others that we can really, really relate to. We can really, really share mutually. And we can enrich, enrich one another. Lord, I believe that's true, and it's a, a true character quality that you want in our life. And I pray that we can look and we can find someone in the Lord that we can share life with. And we thank you that you've given us.